0: welcome. It's great to see you. And I'm going to ask you as we begin, if you can squeeze in your row to make room for others who are still coming in, that would be helpful. Thank you very much.
1: Today is the third Sunday of Advent. Advent is a time of waiting. We wait for God to send divine love and light into our dark world. How does this happen? God's light comes through Jesus, who became a human being just like you and me, so that he could show us the way back to God's divine light and love.
2: Stir up your power, O Lord, and with great might come among us. Let your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help and deliver us, through
1: Jesus Christ our Lord. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer. Those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the wasteland.
2: The messenger of the Lord has prepared the way. Like John the baptizer, may we be strong and courageous as we prepare for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. May we pay attention when the Lord brings healing to those around us and to the world. And may we rejoice when that healing happens. Amen.
0: so great to see you as we gather today to worship the newborn king and uh, we are excited about uh, this day and the days to come as you see in your bulletin uh, the holiday schedule for next sunday and christmas eve evening and the weeks to follow we hope you'll be a part of all of that let me invite you to take a moment share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship today
3: Thank you. Welcome again to you all. Thank you. I'm seeing lots of faces of folks who are back visiting. We're glad you're here. Let me just take a moment to enhance something that's mentioned in the bulletin. There is a little blurb there about this evening's five o'clock hymn sing and cookie uh, reception out back. But a couple of things are not mentioned there. Number one, please, if you, if you have an instrument, whether it's, you know, string or, or woodwind, or we're, I understand we're going to have some nice brass here tonight, please come early, maybe 20 off, quarter off, something like that. We'll set up some chairs. If you have a folding stand, bring that along as well, although we do have a few stands. So please come and join us in that way. Also, please wear your best Christmas sweater. If you have it on, keep it on. If you don't have it on now... Please put it on, bring it. And if you happen to have a scarf of some kind that you can bring, because all carolers have to have scarves, please bring that as well. So your best best Christmas uh, uh, scarf. Uh, is what we want you to have as we sing these carols tonight as you know this is a fun time if you just enjoyed singing that one last carol we've got a few more and many more tonight maybe not everyone that you'd like to sing but many of them so please come five o'clock bring cookies and we'll have a good time both here and out in the uh, reception room thank you
1: daryl is the personification of this event so come on (laughs) We want to share a few words about the Christmas Eve offering next Sunday, and Margarita Cooley is going to share a bit about her family and the circumstances in Puerto Rico.
2: Good morning. The population in Puerto Rico is estimated at 3.400 million. It was about three months ago that hurricanes Jose, Irma, and Maria paid their devastating visits to Puerto Rico. The most current estimates are that about 35% of the population still has no electricity. This means that approximately 1,200,000 people still have no electricity, even in or near major metropolitan areas. So if you would imagine with me, that would be the same as all of the people living in Allegheny County, Cattaraugus, Chautauqua, and Niagara counties, as well as two-thirds of the people in Erie County not having electricity and no clean running water for three months with no end in sight. Those who are fortunate enough to have the resources to run, they run generators daily, costing families approximately $40 a day in diesel alone for about four or five hours of electricity just to meet their basic needs. The exact numbers of these folks across the island is unknown. I do know that the majority of my family falls into this category. The remaining approximately 2,200,000, including my parents, have electrical outages between one to five hours almost daily, meaning that the refrigerators or medical equipment does not work, showers don't work, or toilets don't flush during that time either. However, Puerto Rico will celebrate Christmas this year. And thanks to FEMA, the Army Corps of Engineers, military, medical, and hundreds of other volunteers, the situation in Puerto Rico has vastly improved, even bringing a sense of normalcy in some places along with hope for the future. For those of you who have helped by praying, giving financially, sending resources such as food, water filters, and medicines, providing for someone who is displaced, or supporting a friend or a loved one who was in Puerto Rico on the ground working in the tropical heat with limited resources to make things happen, on behalf of my family and friends, gracias. We know there is still a long road ahead as there are economic, political, and sheer physical logistical hurdles to overcome. In fact, unbelievably today, There are still some people who live in the country, like we do, who are still being helicoptered food and resources because the roads are inaccessible. The whole island shares in their suffering, and they all need your prayers. Thank you. Thank you again for your support, your encouragement, and most importantly, for your hopeful
1: prayers. Thank you, Margarita. Just want to share how we're going to be helping. You'll see a picture here of Wesleyan Academy, which has had a long standing connection to Houghton Academy. I won't go into all that, but uh, we are going to be helping the Acad- Wesleyan Academy rebuild. There's one more picture of that, one of the classrooms that was covered on CBS News. Our giving will go to Wesleyan Academy and to World Hope International. World Hope is working with our churches uh, in Puerto Rico and has already been working, as you'll see in this list, food, tarps, water for purification, hygiene kits, generators, and upcoming more building supplies and work team logistics. So there'll be chances for more people to help. So we're just reminding you that, and I've been waiting for this, I hadn't sent my money to Puerto Rico yet, so the offering next Sunday evening and through the Internet or through mailing it into our office, will go towards these two entities, World Hope, working with Wesleyan churches and families and with uh, Wesleyan Academy. So thank you for your Christmas Eve offering.
4: The Old Testament reading is Psalm 98. A psalm. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Please stand and join us as we continue in worship together.
5: What hope we hold this starlit night A king is born in Bethlehem Our journey long we seek the light
3: that leads to the hallowed nature ground.
5: What fear we felt in the silent age 400 years can he be found but broken by Estoy, Estoy sin nada. dos
2: come forward to receive our tithes and offerings.
5: Let's sing the doxology together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Of waiting so long We hear a baby's first cry Into our midnight A heavenly song Whispers that hope is alive Oh, joy to the world On this holy night So sing with the angels That fill up the sky.
0: This one who has come to us, who loves us and cares for us, invites us to come to him with our burdens, our concerns, and with us in a spirit of honesty about our need. So let me invite you to join me in the prayer of confession that's printed in your bulletin. Let's pray together. Our gracious God, despite your generous love to us, we have too often turned from your way to our own. We have tarnished the gift you freely gave. We have buried you so deep in our hearts the world doesn't see you. We have ignored your teachings. We have lived lives of apathy. We have built fences and fortresses to push people away. We so often ignore those in need. Forgive us, we pray. Free us from our sin. Free us from our captivity. Free us to live in the joy of your incarnate Son, in whom forgiveness is real, possible, and ours. Amen. As we continue in a spirit of prayer, if you would like to use the altar rail as the place where you offer your prayers, please come and join me. Father, as we gather today to celebrate the birth of Jesus, we come with hearts full of gratitude and thanksgiving. You have blessed us beyond all measure. You have filled our lives with joy, peace, grace, and mercy. And we owe all to you. Father, we pray today that you will fill our hearts with a sense of openness and humility, sensitivity and awareness to you and to others. As we come today, we know that there are many burdens in our lives, in the lives of those close to us and in this whole world. And so today we pray for all who are in need. We pray for everyone who comes today with the heart heavy with grief. And we pray for your comforting, healing presence. We pray for all who are struggling with health concerns. We pray for healing upon Tim Nichols, Bob Brown, Jane Swanson, Louise Princell, Laura Habecker, Hudson Hess, Nancy Cole, Brian Orvacher. Peter Lingenfelter, Ellis Brotzman, Chuck Barrett, Cheryl O'Brien, Ben King, Doris Asepian, Isla Shea, Sheldon Emerson, Bill Getty, Warren and Ella Woolsey, Mike Raybuck, Bevret, Micah Christensen, Linda Roth, Dick Gould, Emily Cricklark, and others who are on our hearts today. Thank you for your healing grace in each of their lives. We pray, Father, for the relationships that are not what we want them to be and ask that you would bring healing to them and restoration. And for all the needs of our lives that bring anxiety and fear and worry, may we see that you are trustworthy and you are with us. We pray, Father, for this church. We thank you for the many ministries of this church. And today, we especially thank you and pray for uh, those who are children and those in children's church and nursery today, for the sacrifice and the service that they give. And we pray that you will help us to continue to nurture the faith of our children. We pray, Father, for churches around us. We think of the New Hope Assembly of God Church in Fillmore. Pastor Irv Russell. May your grace be upon this body of believers as they gather today and every Sunday and all of the ways in which they reach out to the community and grow together in love. May they know your blessing. Lord, we pray for our nation. We pray that you will bring unity where there is so much divisiveness. We pray for those in this country and beyond our, our borders where people are recovering from ...tragedies and disasters. We think of the people who are uh, dealing with the the growing fires in California... ...and all of that destruction. And we pray, Father, that you will help the firefighters to get the fire under control... ...and to bring an end to the damage. We pray for all who have been affected, that you would bring grace to them. We pray for the people of Puerto Rico, as we've heard this morning. So many needs. We ask that you would help us and others to be agents of of healing and restoration. And Father, we pray for refugees around the world. We pray, Father, for the work of your kingdom around the world. We think of our brothers and sisters in Egypt who are remembering a year ago when there were attacks on churches there and many killed, many injured. We pray, Father, that you will bring calm this year, And that the joy and peace of Christ will be evident. And Father, we pray for the Doty family. Thank you for their years of service. And now their children in ministry for you overseas. And we ask, Father, that your grace would continue to bless them and encourage them. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. Thank you for your grace in our lives, in this place, in our worship. Be glorified in all that we are and all that we do. We give thanks to you through your son, Jesus Christ, the word made flesh and the one who teaches us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors.
4: The New Testament reading is Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. But he did not consummate their marriage Until she gave birth to a son And he gave him the name Jesus This is the word of the Lord Children are now dismissed for Children's Church
3: Tears are falling are
5: breaking, how we need to hear from God, you've been promised, we've been waiting, welcome holy child, welcome holy child, hope that you don't mind our mistakes, you are I-
0: You see I think we struggle with the idea that God's intended purpose for his creation is joy. I think we might we might know that mentally, but I think we struggle to truly embrace that emotionally. And yet The scripture tells us again and again and again that God wants us to experience joy. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 16, he says to the Israelites, "...for the seven days celebrate the festival to the Lord your God at the place the Lord will choose. For the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and in all the work of your hands, and your joy will be complete." You move on to John's gospel and Jesus in that, in that last night with his disciples before he goes to the cross tells them so many things. But he says to them in chapter 15, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. In chapter 17, as he prays to the father in the garden, he says, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they, my disciples, may have the full measure of my joy within them. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes and simply says to them, always be joyful. It is is the, the intent of God when he creates the world that the world would know his joy because God is a God of joy. But I don't think we always believe that. And I think that gets communicated to each other in our churches, and it gets communicated to people outside the churches. We struggle with truly believing and experiencing that God's intent for us is joy. But it is. And I think one of the, re- one of the things that, that comes out of that, and one of the ways in which that is addressed to us, to try to encourage us and to help us see that, I think this is what's at the heart of Isaac Watts' Christmas carol, Joy to the World. Isaac Watts was born in the uh, latter part of the uh, 18th century, or the 17th century, I'm sorry. He was born about 25 years before uh, John and Charles Wesley predated them just a little bit. But that, uh, Isaac Watts was eventually became a, a pastor. But when he was a teenager, he said to his father, I, I really hate the singing of the hymns in church. He said, they're dull, they're boring, they, they, they just leave you feeling ugh. I don't know if he used those exact words, but I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Okay, that's what I used to think when I was a kid singing in church. I always loved it when we sing uh, holiness unto the Lord, and that was the only fast song we would sing. I didn't know what it meant, but it was great to sing a song that went fast. But anyway, beside the point. Uh, He he said to his father, who was a deacon in the church, man, this is bad, the music's bad. And so his father said to him, okay, fine, write something better. And so he did. Almost 700 hymns better. He is considered by many to be the, the father of, of the English hymnody. He, he started this movement that Charles Wesley grabbed onto. And, of course, he wrote thousands of hymns. But, but it really started with Isaac Watts. And, and Isaac Watts wrote, I have a list of just a few of the hymns that he wrote that are in our hymnal. And many of them we sing often. Many of them are very meaningful to us. He, he was a, a profound and prolific hymn writer. And one of the things that he did in writing these hymns is that he decided, of course, in the church at that day, at that time, they basically only sang the Psalms and versions of the Psalms. And so Isaac Watts decided that he would write a song for each of the Psalms. He would write an updated version of the Psalms. And so he did. And when he came to Psalm 98, he actually wrote two hymns for Psalm 98. One for verses 1 to 3, which, as far as we can tell, has sort of been lost. But the other was to verses 4 to 9. And the hymn that he wrote to Psalm 98, verses 4 to 9, is Joy to the World. That's why we read that psalm this morning. You may have been thinking, it's the middle of the Advent season. Why are we reading Psalm 98? Because he based this psalm, at least a song, at least loosely, on Psalm 98. When you you think through this Christmas carol, and when you think through Psalm 98, and I didn't print the words for you, you might want to take out your hymnals and you can reference that as we go along. It's hymn number 115. But as you you walk through this, this carol, in a sense, Isaac Watts is really just doing one thing. He's doing the primary thing that I believe is the primary intent of all of Scripture. What he's doing is he's painting a picture of God. He is painting a picture of who God is. And I am convinced that at the heart of every word of Scripture is that it is trying to, to teach us to paint a picture of who God is. Because our number one problem, everything that we wrestle with, ultimately comes back to our view of God. And the scriptures are addressing that struggle, that burden, that concern, because we all live with skewed views of God. Ever since sin entered the world, our perspective of God has been skewed and twisted and broken and turned. And we have spent our lives trying to fix that. Which is why Jesus comes. And this carol This Christmas carol is really describing for us the nature of God. And as you see right off the bat at the very beginning, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. You move on and he says, joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. And in verse four, he rules the world. And what he's saying to us is that God is the king. And, and this, this song is, is helping us understand, it is, it is shaping, one, it's one facet of the diamond of, of all that God is, and saying to us, he is a king, but it's more than that, it's saying to us, here's the kind of king he is. This is what God looks like. And the kind of the image of God that he describes for us here is that Jesus comes to renew and to restore all of God's creation. And the reason we need to be restored and renewed is because of the curse. He references that in the beginning of verse 3. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. And in the, the repeated line at the end of that, he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. To go back to Genesis chapter three, when you first see him talking, you see the reference to the curse. And after Adam and Eve reject God, there is a curse. But the curse is not just on human beings. Human beings aren't the only part of God's creation that need to be renewed and restored and made new. It's also all of creation. And one of the things that fascinates me about this Christmas carol is that it is not just about our relationship with God as human beings. It is certainly a part of that. But it's also about the relationship of God's creation to him. And that Jesus comes not just to restore human beings to God, as imperative as that is, and as awesome as that is, but he also comes to restore all of creation to what he intended it to be. And that's why you will see throughout this carol references to nature. Let heaven and nature sing. It is a restoration of all of creation that's been affected by the curse. And so Paul writes in in Romans chapter 8, all of creation is awaiting redemption. Creation is to be redeemed with the coming of her king, his kingdom, and with the revealing of the sons of God. He is coming to renew creation. And in Colossians, he says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. He comes to make all creation healed. But what I love about the way Isaac Watts phrases this, it's not just that he... No more let sins and sorrows grow or thorns infest the ground. But he comes to make his blessings flow. What a gorgeous picture, isn't it? He comes to make his blessings flow because that's why God created everything. To pour out his blessing so that we would experience nourishing in all of God's creation. That, we'd be, that we would flourish as his people and as his created order. And the question that confronts us in thinking about that is what are we doing to to retard, to slow down the curse? Are we people who are so enamored with Jesus and so enamored, so full of his spirit that when we engage ourselves in a situation in the world, whether it's a relationship or a problem or the structures of society... We are people through whom God's blessings always flow. Or are we people who keep turning off the faucet? Jesus comes to turn that faucet wide open. And unfortunately, you and I keep trying to close it. So this is, I think it's what Jesus is talking about in the Beatitudes among other places. When he says, we need to live differently than other people. Our problem is that when wounded people wound us, we tend to wound them back. When hurt people hurt us, we tend to hurt them back. When we look and see all of the ways in which the structures of society create injustice and continue injustice... Our most natural response is to walk away from it, to close our eyes and our ears, and to pretend that it isn't really happening. And when we think about God's creation, the evangelical church does not have a real good track record with taking care of what God created. And we should. Something in me wants to believe I, that when we demean and devalue anything God calls good, we will have a tendency to demean and to devalue virtually everything that God calls good. And so, you know, a lot of this, a lot of the idea of this is related to the Lord has come. Not only that He has come, but that He is coming. And and we have a tendency when we think that when Jesus comes, that eternity is we will finally escape this vile, wicked earth and we will go to some ethereal place where we exist as disembodied spirits, then it doesn't really matter how you treat the earth. But if this is the place that's going to be the new heaven, new earth, new creation, God is restoring and renewing, and and we will enjoy his creative work forever, then we want to take care of it now. We want to see it the way God does. And I think Psalm 98 and... And this this Christmas carol is calling us to that, and that's why when you think about what this this carol is calling us to, how it's calling us to respond, one of the things it's calling us to is that we are going to be agents who keep trying to make His blessings flow. That we care about creation, but He also says that this idea of he uses the word let. That's often the, the phrase that he uses in this song. And you see this in Psalm 98 as well. These are the things we are to do. This is what we're, how we're supposed to respond. The Lord has come. What do we do? Let every heart prepare him room. We'll never see things the way God does. We'll never think about, about all of creation, people, and nature the way God does until we begin to prepare him room. One of the things I love about that song we just sang I love the fact that we are saying, welcome to our world. We're happy to have you here. We're opening our arms to you. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Come, we can't wait to experience you. I know this is a place that we have corrupted. I know that our hearts are are sinful, but we want you to come and we're preparing room for you. You know, we prepare for people and things that are important to us. You can tell. If a person or, or a circumstance is important to us. By the way we prepare or don't prepare for it. If, 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 a, if our job is important to us. Then we spend time getting ready to do it. If it's not. Don't worry about it. If people are important to us. Then we spend time preparing for our interactions with them. And our time with them. And if they aren't. We don't worry about it. You think back to a, a dating relationship when you were really, really feeling, uh, having you know, loving feelings toward another person. You get prepared because they're important, and 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 being with them is important, and you want them to know they're important, and so you prepare. And the same thing is true with Jesus. You know, with, how do we prepare for Jesus? I think primarily we we use the spiritual disciplines. We pray. We give time to reading the scripture, studying the scripture. We we come to corporate worship. We we get in, in places where we can be accountable and co- and connected to other people. We we want we think generously about whatever it is that we have, our money, our time, our resources. We serve other people. That's important to us. All of these things are ways in which we prepare our hearts so that we have room for him. I'm, I'm guessing this is a reference to Luke 2, 7, where he, he says, you know, that there was, they laid Jesus in a manger because there was no room for him in the end. Hymn writers love to, to connect to that because it is so clear, clear analogy to our hearts. But, you know, we can prepare in two ways. We can prepare because we have to. We can prepare because we want to. And the preparation on the surface may look the same, but it's not the same. You Think about having somebody to your house for dinner. If it's somebody that you don't really like, if it's somebody that, you know, really makes you feel intimidated and uncomfortable, they don't treat you well, but you have to do it, that's one thing. But if it's grandpa and grandma coming for dinner, or your closest friends, or people you love spending time with, that's something different. And in the first situation, you're asking yourself, hopefully you're not saying this out loud, but uh, you're asking the question, how long do you leave? But the second one you're asking, how long do you get to stay? And there's a huge difference in our attitude About how we prepare. And when we want to prepare, it changes how we prepare. It changes what our preparation looks like and feels like and the engagement we make in it. And that's what this carol is calling us to. And I think maybe one of the significant ways we prepare is to do what he says in verse 2 when he says... Let men their songs employ. You've got all this great music to sing about Jesus. You've got all this great music to sing about God. Why are you silent? Why are we not expressing our joy? Because we express joy probably most effectively with music more than anything else. And even if you say, well, I can't carry a tune, you listen to music. You engage with music because there's something about music that speaks into our souls that sometimes words and pictures simply can't. Music is important to us. And so he says, look, let your songs employ, sing them. But it's imperative when we sing, we believe what we're singing and we sing what we believe. And we live it. It's not just, it's not just notes and, and melodies and words that come out of our mouths, but they come, they get deep in our hearts. You know, we, we tend to start thinking like the songs we sing, which is probably why our parents warned us about the kind of music we listened to when we were young, right? There is something to that. And the more we fill our minds with the songs of God and the songs of Jesus, it can change us, it can work in us. We sing with passion and energy and joy. And that's what he's trying to do in this song. What I love is that when you get to to verse, uh, verse two, he says, Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns, let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. All the earth is singing. How come you're not? It makes me think of, of Luke 19 when Jesus enters the city of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And, and the people are praising him as the Messiah. They're praising him as God. And the Pharisees say, you've got to tell them to stop that. And Jesus says, oh, no, no, no. If they don't do it, the rocks will cry out. If they don't sing, creation, nature will sing. And Isaac Watts is saying what you hear in Psalm 98, that the earth is singing the greatness of God for what God has done. And he's calling us as human beings to join the song as an expression of our gratitude and our love and our joy to Jesus. Verse 4 is is kind of the apex of this song. When you get to verse 4, you sort of get a sense of Not just that Jesus has come, but that Jesus is coming. He rules the earth, the world with truth and grace. And makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. When the dust settles, Isaac Watts is saying the nations will know who God is. That second line, he makes the nations prove, has uh, that one stumped me for a while. I was trying to figure out. I spent a lot of time thinking about that. What does that mean? How do you make the nations prove? And then I realized that to make doesn't necessarily mean to force. It means it means to cause. And so I think what he's saying is. That when all the dust settles, he causes the nations to see what kind of God he really is. He causes the nations to prove it. And how will they prove it? How will they test it? How will they know? Because when you get to the end of the, because he's saying he rules the earth, how? With truth and grace. John one fourteen, the word became flesh, made his dwelling upon us full of truth and grace. This is the word of of the psalmist in, in Psalm 67. He says, Let the whole world sing for joy because you govern the nations with justice and guide the people of the whole world. And at the end of Psalm 98, the last verse, he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with justice and the nations with fairness, equity. And all the world is going to see that God is a God of grace And mercy and truth. And he knows how to judge people's hearts. He is kind and merciful. He is a God who is full of grace and mercy. And that is a reason to celebrate not just the nations of the world, but you and me. Because every one of us is here only because of God's grace and mercy. The tune for this song was written by a man named Lowell Mason. Lowell Mason uh, was a uh, a music educator. He uh, was born near the end of the 18th century. And um, he is actually famous for uh, being the, the first person to introduce music into the public school system in the city of Boston. He was one of the leaders of music education in the school system. And in fact, many cities around the United States copied what he had done in the city of Boston. And he was a church musician as well. And his goal was to teach everyone in the church to read music because he believed that if people could read music, they would sing better. And that was his goal. He is mentioned often in our hymnal. And a number of the songs that... um, That he has written. He either wrote the tune or collaborated by putting tunes and songs together. A charge to keep I have, blessed be the tie that binds, there's a fountain filled with blood, when I survey the wondrous cross, one of Isaac Watts's other songs, oh, four thousand tongues to sing. The thing that intrigues me about this particular tune that he said he took from pieces in Handel's Messiah, and you can hear it if you listen for it in the tune. What intrigues me is that he gave it the name Antioch. All composers put some kind of name on their melodies or tunes. And this one he called Antioch. Antioch was the ancient city in Syria that was, what was central to what was going on in the first century church. It was in Antioch, Acts tells us, that followers of Jesus were first called Christians... But it was also in Antioch that Paul and Barnabas were set aside and sent out on their first two missionary journeys. And I think Lowell Mason is trying to communicate something to us that we often miss when we sing this song. This is a missionary song. This is a song about the whole world. This is not joy to a Select few. This is not joy to Americans. This is not joy to the good people. It's not even joy to God's people. This is joy to the whole world. Because Jesus comes for the whole world. All people everywhere. Jesus comes for all of creation. To renew and to restore and to bring blessing and to bring flourishing to everything that God has made. And to fill every person's heart with joy. This is an invitation for everybody in the world to join the party and celebrate. And I know that that sometimes that idea messes with the theological systems that we make and the boxes that we draw around God. But this is, I think, Isaac Watts and Lowell Mason are saying, when Jesus comes... You need to understand that God colors outside the lines. And he bursts open our boxes and our systems. Because he comes for the whole world. And he invites the whole world to celebrate and to join in. As John writes, God so loved the world that he gave his son. And what I find interesting is that when we try, when we try to confine joy, when we try to limit joy, when we try to control joy, we lose it. I don't know of anybody who tries to control joy to try to keep people, anybody from trying to from experiencing joy. I don't know of anybody who does that and is truly joyful. Because you spend your life not celebrating, you spend your life trying to control it. And Jesus comes for us to celebrate. And whether everyone accepts the invitation of Jesus, our issue is we want them to. And our calling and the calling of this psalm and the calling of this hymn and the calling of the gospel... Is that we want the heart of Jesus. We want the heart of God. And nothing would thrill us more. Than for every single person in the world. To prepare their hearts. And to receive him as king. And to know his joy. It's in that spirit. That I want us to sing this morning. Father thank you. Thank you for this psalm. Thank you for this hymn. Thank you for Jesus. We pray today that you will give us your heart. That even as we sing today, our words, our attitudes, our thoughts will echo and reverberate outside of this building to every day of our lives. The grace of Jesus. Amen. I'm ready to sing. Let's stand. Amen. Amen. Jesus has come. May the world know his joy. And may you be agents of his joy everywhere you go as you celebrate his gifts. Amen.